And we are doing something a bit different. We're changing our usual order. It's a special show for a special day. Actually, the special day came Friday. It'll be that day, April 27th, that'll probably be immortalised, perhaps even more so than the first two inter-Korean summits, depending on how this next few days, next few weeks, next few months, maybe even next few years plays out. But um, we do want to, at our first opportunity, which is this morning, digest what's come out of that. Professor Song Se-ryam from Kyung University Law School joins us here in the studio to help guide us along and we'll be connecting with various other guests too. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Well, it is always a pleasure to have you in the studio. And we can welcome by voice, at least, the President, Moon Jae-in, um, speaking with Kim Jong-un on Friday and they both had plenty to say during and in the course of the statement. We can first hear from President Moon addressing all people of South and North Korea and even the Korean diaspora overseas. So first, President Moon Jae-in hearing from him, saying there will be no more war on the Korean Peninsula. He'd agreed that with Kim Jong-un of North Korea. They'd open a new era of peace, confirming a common goal to realise complete denuclearization, to declare an official end to that 1950-53 Korean War, which, as I'm sure most of us are aware, ended with an armistice agreement, a ceasefire rather than lasting peace. But that's changing now. And apparently, according to President Moon, there'll be no turning back. And he offered his sincere respect and then applause to Kim Jong-un for making this open-hearted and bold decision. Professor Song, maybe before we hear from Kim Jong-un, I can just get your reaction to President Moon's side of that equation. Well, it was a hopeful message, and uh, it's a historic moment. Uh, Even being able to say that there will be no war going forward and uh, there will be, you know, rosier days ahead. Um, I think they will probably talk about this, but these are the messages that uh, is heard from both sides. So that's the first, but this is the content of the message has been uh, sounded in previous declarations. So there is not nothing historically earth-shattering and new, but nonetheless, it's a hopeful message. One of the big differences from this and previous summits um, is Kim Jong-un, 
President Moon himself was uh, Norma Hyun's chief of staff. Uh, right. He made it clear from the start that uh, he wanted to come back to that legacy, really, of inter-Korean cooperation, having been involved with the previous summit under, under Norma Hyun. But this right. time it's a younger North Korean leader in Kim Jong-un. He is the, the grandson of North Korea's first leader. Uh, mm-hmm. He's grown up in the dynasty. In some ways he's tainted by it. But on the other hand, you might say maybe he'll want to escape from it and start his own path. Actually, we're all just guessing at this point. Let's hear from the man himself and see if we can get some clues from his words. 오늘 저와 문재인 대통령은 분열의 비극과 통일의 열망이 응결되어 있는 이곳 판문점에서 역사적인 책임감과 사명감을 안고 첫 회담을 가지었습니다. 북과 남이 오늘 이렇게 다시 두 손을 맞잡기까지 참으로 긴 시간이 흘렀고 우리 모두는 너무 오랫동안 이 만남을 한 마음으로 기다려 왔습니다. 우리가 오늘 북과 남이 전체 인민들과 세계가 지켜보는 가운데 수표한 이 합의가 역대 북남 합의서들처럼 시작만 된 불미스러운 역사가 되풀이되지 않도록 노력해 나갈 것입니다. 오늘 내가 다녀간 이 길로 북과 남의 모든 사람들이 자유롭게 오갈 수 있게 되고 우리가 지금 서 있는 가슴 아픈 분단의 상징인 반문점이 평화의 상징으로 된다면 북과 남은 본래대로 하나가 되어 민족만대의 끝없는 번영을 누리게 될 것입니다. 북과 남 해외에 친애하는 여러분 위대한 역사는 저절로 창조되고 기록되지 않으며 그 시대 인간들이 성실한 노력과 뜨거운 숨결의 응결체입니다. 고통이 없이 승리가 없고 시련이 없이 영화에 없듯이 언젠가는 힘들게 마련되었던 오늘의 이 만남과 그리고 온갖 도전을 이겨내고 민족의 진로를 손잡고 함께 헤쳐간 날들을 즐겁게 추억하게 될 것입니다. 우리 모두 뜻과 힘을 합치고 지혜를 모아 평화번영의 새 시대 새로운 꿈과 희망이 기다리는 미래로 한 걸음 한 걸음 보폭을 맞추며 전진해 나갑시다. 감사합니다. And again, just to quickly clue in anyone who's not uh, particularly comfortable with uh, Korean language uh, or indeed the North Korean accent, uh, which uh, was interesting in itself, I think, quite captivating to hear the voice of of Kim Jong-un, fascinating anyway. He said that uh, him and President Moon had their their first meeting at Panmunjom, which was the the, the realisation really of of a dream. We'd, we'd seen the tragic division he reflected on there, the longing for reunification. He felt uh, this historic responsibility. And it, while it took a long time to join hands, uh, everyone had been waiting for that moment. It was a path that's uh, been taken by him down a road where hopefully all can pass freely. Uh, and Panmunjom can become that symbol of peace. And President Moon and himself will make sure not to repeat past mistakes. And they won't go back to square one or point zero. And all will live by the joint declaration that's been watched by the world and, and will join their wisdom together to open a new era of peace and prosperity and walk forward together. It's those words, peace and prosperity, that have been repeated over and over again. Professor Song, something else apart from the accent of Kim Jong-un, by the way, is just the tone of his voice. It doesn't quite match the look of the man, does it? This is a guy in his mid-30s and his voice sounds like a man in his mid-50s. 
Right.、Uh, he has suddenly became a very fascinating figure. The, the Kim Jong Un we know from the reports of this、uh, kind of a monster who who brutally purged his even his uncles. So from the reputations, he was a he was a very、uh, ruthless killer. But this time around, we saw a lot of、uh, human side of it, if you if you could call it that. So I, I want to kind of. Kind of accentuate、um, what we were talking about: the continuities between these two sides. One is the on the、uh, south side. We on our side, there is a sunshine policy, moonshine、uh, policies, and there is a favorable mood, especially on the liberal governments. On the north side, I, w- I would argue that there is a continuities. They've been、uh, pushing for the nuclear development、uh, overall. And Kim Jong Un is new face in this time, but he's the first one who was able to say that. Well, we've finished that project. C- can so, I can I just push a little bit further though? I mean,、right. if, let's just imagine you are born into this dynasty, and you might be aware that the whole world is condemning North Korea's human rights record. You might feel the pressure of of having the U.S. and South Korea and other military forces ready to.、Uh, To take you out at any moment. I mean, that must be how he was feeling.、Mm-hmm. It's not exactly、uh, an easy position to be in. I'm not trying to、uh, sort of play even devil's advocate, and certainly not trying to defend any of the human rights atrocities in North Korea. But, but is it possible? Can we be hopeful that he might be seeking a way out to to kind of normalise the country to escape from that reputation? Or, or is that reading way too much into it at this point? No, I, I don't think he's reading too much into it.、Uh, but th- there's a big question mark. So after the nuclear development, when you finished, what's the next chapter for the North Korea? Is that going to be using that weapon to, you know, make a big、uh, blowout of the, the Korean Peninsula, or is it as with as it seems now, use that to、uh, have a grand bargain、uh, to get to the prosperity part, and that's the hopeful. Uh, kind of scenario that pe- people would like to see at this point. Well, we can now hear from a, a skeptical voice, who is Professor Isong Yun from Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts University, a regular feature on our show. Professor E, thank you for joining us on the line today. Thank you for having me. I'm not skeptical at all, though. Okay. Well, listen. Let me clarify that. I, the, the reason, perhaps, it's unfair for me to give you、uh, a, a, a sort of Tag of that nature instantly, but I am referring to、uh, an article that you wrote on April twenty seventh under the title "A Korean Comedy of Errors." In that article, you talked about、um, President Donald Trump walking into an elaborate trap set up by the wily North Korean leader. I mean, unless unless your writing was、um, satirical. Uh, it certainly looks like you're not entirely optimistic about where we're heading right now. Oh, I'm very certain and optimistic that Kim Jong Un is poised to get what he wants. That he has been planning for this elaborate charm offensive probably for a few years. What is my basis for that assessment? Because I've seen this movie before, not just once, not just twice. And when one has watched Rambo one, two, and three, you usually have a good idea how Rambo four is going to end. Kim Jong Un has been stealing very faithfully 
few pages out of his daddy's playbook from 2000 to about 2004, when Kim Jong-un sort of routinized, normalized himself as a global statesman with whom the outside world can do business, holding a summit meeting with the South Korean president, visiting China a fortnight before that in late May 2000, sending a special envoy to Bill Clinton, inviting Clinton to Pyongyang, and then visiting Vladimir Putin next year in August 01, and then receiving hosting Japanese Prime Minister Koizumi in Pyongyang in September 2002, and Koizumi paid a repeat visit two years later in 2003, joining the six-party talks, multilateral negotiations on the so-called denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula as opposed to North Korea. So in a few months, in just a matter of few months, Kim Jong-un has gone from rocket man to a global statesman, and that's quite an achievement. Can I just ask you, though, Professor E, is it possible, what, what I was just talking with Professor Song about, that uh, Kim Jong-un is seeking a way out and, and that we should give him the opportunity without necessarily giving too much away at this point? Well, I think Kim Jong-un is really holding the cards because we know that a summit meeting, unlike family reunion or a blind date, inherent deficiencies in both notwithstanding, uh, you don't do it this way. You iron out all the wrinkles. You reach agreements on issues of contention, even between allies. This is a protracted, tough period process of negotiations. And then a summit meeting is the symbolic reaffirmation or the affirmation of the agreements reached. But both President Moon and President Trump are doing it reverse, in reverse order. They are rushing into the meeting itself that Kim Jong-un has called. And without any real substantive agreements reached, all these pleasing-sounding verbal palliative that Kim Jong-un has offered, that he is amenable to denuclearization talks, that he will henceforth, for for the time being, that is, hold off on missile tests, turn DMZ into a peace park, peace maritime zone, peace this, all that. We have heard all of this before in the past. Nothing is unprecedented except for the fact that our strong bias against Kim, Rocket Man, has been now shattered by this very sunny, affable personality that is projected to the world. Professor E, thank you for joining us on the line today. Thank you. Professor Lee song from Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, Tufts University. Thank you again, Professor Song, for standing by and offering your own insights today. First, your reaction to what Professor E had to say. Well, I think that it's reasonable to offer that uh, perspective. And I probably I could have played uh, devil's advocate myself. Uh, there is a creeping suspicion all along that we've been being played uh, by the playbook that North Korea had all along, like the pushing for the the nuclear development. And then, you know, at the end, I don't know what it comes, but uh, so far the the vicious cycle has been that, you know, you raise the, the risk level and then you ease it off and uh, have a milking day. So uh, if they are at the end of the, that playbook, a, but if they are pushing for the, the prosperity part, that's the hopeful scenario, then uh, this is exactly what they've been planned for decades. Now, 
the 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 first time they tried it, as uh, aptly uh, Professor Lee pointed out, uh, with the Clinton uh, situation, I think that the the bargaining position of the North was not strong enough, and they just pulled off. But this time around, they uh, somewhat kind of hastily declared that they were done with the development of ICBM and the nuclear nuclear capability. With that done, probably Kim Jong-un is thinking that this is a time to push for it uh, uh, for the, the final scenario that they've been planning, if there is a, such a plan and playbook. Um, you know, this situation, a rapidly changing situation, turning from a very, very risky position in last year, whole world fretting about the, the impending nuclear um, kind of blowout, to, to today's situation where uh, peace seems to be at a reach, uh, this has been pushed by Kim Jong-un, who, who made uh, the New Year's message to United States and uh, South Korea and then uh, got the ball rolling. So uh, I think that uh, the Moon Jae-in and Moonshine policies are a ready partner to do that. And they've been probably North has been waiting for the liberal government to come into the picture. But if you look at it that way, uh, I, I think that this is a somewhat predictable way of looking at it. And I think that's what uh, Professor Lee was pointing out. But what do you think, Professor Song, is the worst that can happen in that scenario? Let's say this is a trap. We, we've got a very strong military of our own. We've got that alliance with the United States and those military leaders are watching cautiously on everyone's behalf, even if optimism is um, all the rage right now. Uh, right. And, and frankly, there's no evidence at the moment that some flood of concessions is going North Korea's way either. Right. The reason why I remain uh, kind of hopeful this time around, uh, despite the repeated uh, crying wolf on the North side and uh, kind of the same scenarios playing out over and over again, is that because of the sanctions, because of the Donald Trump and, and, the, and the regime in the United States, probably North is also feeling that they cannot really play this same uh, game over and over again. Probably this is the last time they could do it because the whole world knows what the, the game is uh, on the North side. And with Kim Jong-un personally coming down and you know offering this uh, charm offensive, if he kind of back on goes back on that thing and goes back to being a monster probably uh, there won't be any other chance for the north to play this game so they got to do it right and if they know that probably they cannot really wantonly uh, change the game in the midpoint i thought it was very interesting what you started saying before about um what happens next and, and there are a couple of angles to that, even just within the narrow focus of this peninsula. For example, here in South Korea, the constitution might change in the future to have four terms. Uh, sorry, two, two four-year terms. Mm -hmm. But right now it's one five-year term. So what happens if um, there's another scenario where uh, a conservative president was to come in next after President Moon Jae-in? Would that potentially change everything? There's eminently a chance of that. So, uh, from Kim Jong-un's point of view, I mean, <clears throat> we, we were talking about the Libya situation before, but the Libya had it set with the, the, with the agreement 
and all. But when they pulled out, the, we know what happened to Gaddafi. So we cannot really trust the words and even the, the, the documents signed uh, between the parties, uh, uh, between the leaders uh, uh, on the regime at that point. I think that uh, North Korea would uh, want the structure and framework that's really sustainable. I mean, I think that's why they need China to be on board. I think that's why they need South Korea to be on board. And not only the agreement, but kind of ironclad as much as possible they can push. At what point do we start talking about human rights? Well, uh, we have to. Um, I, I think that the North Korea <coughs> would like to avoid that as much as possible, but this point, I think they can uh, offer some gestures like uh, abductees for the Japanese side and the U.S. side. There are some people uh, held up there. So probably they'll try to ease off. But I think he's banking on the fact that, you know, there is a mentality of first thing first and get the peace first and then get to the other uh, matters involving North Korea. So if that, I, I think it'll happen. I think that it will be uh, pushed for by a lot of uh, even the NGO groups. Professor Song, thank you for joining us today. Thank you.